0: This is the Christian Life Coach Collective and I'm your host, Laura Malone. We're talking all things coaching, concepts, tips, tools, self-coaching, mindset, faith foundations, and definitely entrepreneurship because I want to support your calling as a coach and help you build a thriving online business with God as your CEO. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And my ears tweak when I hear words pronounced in ways that I would label and consider wrong. For instance, if the narrator says the word naivete as naivety, okay, I want to cringe. I want to turn off every, turn off the, the story, the phone, everything. I want to throw things. It, the same thing goes for when they... They put the inflection on the wrong part of the sentence, like she stepped inside of the plane and then our insides immediately went cold. (laughs) Why, why did we just give of the word of the plane? Why do we give that attention? It doesn't make any sense to me or inflection if inflection at the end of the sentence, when that goes up in every single sentence, this stuff breaks me and I lose my appetite for the book. Faster than a piece of chicken I can't chew makes me put my fork down. You know, the feeling. (laughs) Sorry, how to do it. So the other day I was listening to a book, a historical fiction piece, and the Lord, he just keeps putting books in front of me for some reason that have to do with female spies during World War II. (laughs) They're so good though. And then the narrator said the word tussled as in his hair was tussled but she said tousled, like it was spelled with a W instead of T-O-U-S-L-E-D. And I realized that in a number of books I've been listening to, the narrators have spoken this word tussled, in the way that it sounds like it's spelled with a W. And I actually had to stop and think to myself, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> now, let me first say, as a teacher and a leader and as a parent, on top of my personality, my nature is to desire to be correct. And let me differentiate between wanting to be right all of the time and wanting the desire to be correct. I don't really have a drive to be right so that somebody else is wrong, but I enjoy and I believe in being correct, meaning I like to I like things to be spelled co- properly, and i I like things. Um, to be in alignment. The things that I'm teaching somebody else need to be correct and in alignment because I don't want to lead them astray or deceive them or teach them something that's not correct, as I believe all teachers should strive for. So when I open my mouth and I speak, I believe that I'm either correct enough to say it, or I feel like I'm in a process and headed towards being correct, right? There's also, there's got to be grace to start imperfectly So that I get going, but I really appreciate a good editing process. And I would say Holy Spirit does too. Like, He's the editor of our story, right? He's always taking our rough draft and sanctifying it, growing it, it's evolving. All this to say that when I teach, I don't believe I'm wrong. Like, you don't teach something that you believe you are wrong about. (laughs) Like, you don't go teach somebody anything and say, like, I have no idea if that's right. I don't, I don't actually think I'm correct, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Why would you do that? I hope I'm correct because I'm held accountable for what I teach. And as someone with a high pedagogical intelligence, pedagogy meaning teaching, me, that's one of my giftings is teaching. I speak with the belief that I'm correct when I'm teaching. Now, my husband might tell you something different, but inside, I really feel okay with being wrong. (laughs) I feel I'm okay being not correct if I'm not, but I, I don't want to be correct, incorrect on purpose, right? I want to do my due diligence and research and pray. And you know, you might have to talk me into the fact that I'm wrong, or you might have to talk me out of something I believe, but I am willing to know something different than what I think I already know. But when I'm listening to a book, or I'm reading something or researching something, my brain operates really, really quickly. I put everything I'm reading, I mean, I'm listening to my audiobooks and my podcasts, I put them on 1.25 speed and sometimes 1.5 speed. And then if I'm re listening to it, I put it on double speed because I just process it really quickly and I don't like repetition. So it helps me get through it faster. And I, my brain extracts and finds mistakes really quickly. And like immediately, it's the first thing I see. I, it keeps me from seeing other things, hearing other things. It's like a major disruption to the process my brain's in. And it's like it stops and says, I can't go any further. It's like a, a car can't keep going because there's like a tree trunk in the road. So when I'm hearing this word tousled several times, it stops me each time because it's not the way I hear it in my mind based on past experiences. And I'm from Kansas City, so maybe it's my, you know, our Midwestern pronunciation of the word, but the last time I heard it and thought, well, they're saying tussled. What if I'm wrong in it being tussled? Like I just grew up with like something was tussled or in a tussle, meaning kind of like tied up or, you know, naughty. And I looked it up online and I clicked the little voice button so that my iPad would actually speak the English and I tried the British pronunciation. And literally it says tousled. It even shows the word town, T-O-W-N, to teach how the T-O-U is pronounced in the word. And I was actually upset at first because I don't want that to be correct. It doesn't sound right to my brain, but I've lived in so many places and I know that the regions of America have different pronunciations of the word and what's correct is relative to that region. So if you're like in LA in California, then R O D E O is Rodeo as in Rodeo drive, but in the rest of the country, it's rodeo. <laughs> and there's four ways to talk about a certain nut. There's the pecan, the pecan, the pecan, and the pecan. <laughs> like, all of them are correct. Unless you ask somebody who knows better, <laughs> because it's correct to the people in where they come from. tousled is not correct to me. Tussled is because it's correct in my brain. But that doesn't mean I'm, because it's correct to me in my region, in my experience, it's relative. It doesn't make me wrong, but it doesn't make you wrong if you say tousled, right? Why? Am I giving you an English lesson today? It's because I want to get to what I felt when I had the thought, this revelatory thought, what if I'm wrong? Try to think of the last time you thought you were right. You were correct. And then you found out you were wrong. (laughs) And maybe you're like, well, honestly, Laura, that's just never happened. To which I reply, well, you could join the club, but you and I can never hang out because you'd be setting yourself up for getting kicked out of the club. You know, the Always Right Club, since I would be right too. Or actually, only one right, because there can only be one of us, right? (laughs) Just kidding. There's really only one person in the Always Right Club, and he has nail scars in his hands. So that's kind of like the entry fee to the club, I think. So I want to pose the question to you Is it okay for you to be wrong? Is it okay to have the incorrect answer? Is it okay for what you believe to be different from what other people believe and nobody has to be wrong for that to happen. And I don't mean like being wrong as in you are a wrong person, like who you are is wrong and you shouldn't be allowed to exist. I'm saying this simple process of life where you're wrong and how you think the Ikea desk is supposed to go together. <laughs> You're wrong because if you were correct, it would be together and you know that it's not, you know, four hours later, it's still sitting on the floor and you don't want to read those instructions because they don't make sense anyway. And there's always too many or some like not enough of something. So something is wrong, right? Well, what does it feel like to you to be wrong? And do you try to avoid the feeling? Because you know, you also have to think about when you're trying to avoid a feeling that you don't like experiencing and whatever you tell yourself, whatever the story is, when you tell yourself, um, if I'm wrong, it must mean this. If I'm wrong, it means I'm not right. And if I'm not right, I'm not good. If I'm wrong, it means I'm not wanted. If I'm not wanted, I don't feel loved. What, what is it for you? And then what happens when you feel shame Or you know whatever it is you feel fear lack deprivation whatever it is you feel incompetent do you get defensive um do you get down on yourself or do you blame other people do you stand up and fight think about this and you know if you've got other people in your life that you are a guide to whether you're a coach or a parent or a friend a leader at work coworker whatever it is you're doing think about how you can help other people when they find out that they're wrong. If you can do this for yourself, then you can have greater compassion for other people, and you won't have such a desire to prove that you're right and they are wrong in conversation. And if you're a parent or a spouse, here's the deal, you're going to be wrong sometimes. You need to get okay with that. It's necessary to accept if you want to save your most significant relationships If you want other people to feel safe with you, then you need to accept being wrong at times and not fight for it, not fight to be right, and not fight for things to be your way. You're going to have to learn to let other people be different than you and for everybody to be good, for everybody to be safe, everybody to be loved, regardless of the the differences, right? Right. And if you're a coach, you have to be willing to be wrong because if you think your client needs one thing and they say, nope, I do not need that, nor do I want it. Well, you have to learn how to simply say, okay, and not take it so personally. Because somebody says that they're different than you or they know the right answer or you're wrong or there's two different versions of right, that doesn't mean it's personal. So the longer you take something personally, the longer you explain the emotion that you feel when you feel when you're wrong, as long as you turn that into, this is personal about me, then you're going to harm yourself. It's literally like an internal self-harm. And remember, things like shame, it wants you, the enemy, your enemy wants you to believe you're wrong as a person So if you allow these fiery darts to land every time you're just simply incorrect or you don't have all of the picture, the full truth, right? You're going to end up in more pain than what is necessary. Just being wrong. It's just sometimes part of life. And I encourage you to embrace it. Allow yourself to experience all of the feelings, the positive ones, negative ones, great and terrible ones. They're part of your personhood. That's why grace and mercy exist. It's because God knew you're going to need them. You're going to need them for yourself to extend to yourself. You need to extend them to other people. And being wrong does not have to feel so terrible. You can change the storyline. You can decide to believe something different. So I highly encourage you to experience what it's like to feel like you're wrong and em, em, embrace the moment, embrace the emotion, sit in it and ask yourself, what does this actually feel like to me? Do I feel degraded? Do I feel incompetent? Do I feel fear? Do I feel deprivation? Do I feel unneeded, unwanted, unchosen? Like what is it you actually experience? Go Google the feelings wheel or join the uh, Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group and go under the files and have feelings wheels under there. And you can actually learn all of these different emotions and feelings that you're experiencing and give them words. And when you understand what they really are, and you can help your clients, your kids, your friends understand as well, you're going to have the ability to say, instead of fighting this, I'm just going to feel it. I'm going to let it process through and I'm going to come out on the other side. And instead of getting up and get defensive, I'm going to go find out and ask some questions, get curious. How did I get to a place where I was incorrect? What led me to believe that? And what do I want to do about it now? Here's the deal. If you're truly wrong about something, you were just wrong. You thought you knew the answer. You didn't, right? If you're truly wrong about something, don't you want to be corrected. The Bible actually talks about being corrected, the rod and the staff and the discipline and the guidance, like the correction is loving. Now, sure, not everybody gives you what you need in corrections uh, terminology with kindness. Most of the world doesn't know how to do it. I encourage you to become someone who does know how to correct with kindness, out of love, and meet people where they're at. And instead of correcting with a need to be right, and instead of correcting with a need to prove they're wrong, correct in a way that is gentle and kind, truthful, but also with offer a solution, an answer, and try not to do it so unsolicited all the time. I think that we often offer unsolicited unsolicited. Correction. And I remember growing up, we had a no solicitor's sign, like a sticky metal sign that was really ugly and just to the left of our screen door on the front of the house. <laughs> and I actually never knew what that meant. I didn't know what a solicitor was. And I just realized, okay, my mom, that was her way of saying, you know, don't come trying to sell me anything. Sometimes I wish that I had a no solicitor's sign or I, that my kids my husband, my friends, my clients like had a no soliciting sign. I didn't if I didn't ask you, then don't tell me. <laughs> Did I ask you if I'm wrong? <laughs> Did I ask you if I'm right? Right. So maybe consider asking people before you want to prove that they're wrong or prove that you're right or show them any kind of answer or solution to something. Get permission. First of all, with coaching, you should always have permission, even if it's friends and family, ask them, would you like me to coach you on this? Or are you just looking for a listening ear? When they give you permission to coach them, that's when you earn the right and have the responsibility to actually bring things to them. But if they don't want coaching, don't coach them. It's not fun. It's actually not going to help your, um, it's not going to help your relationships. And it's one thing when coaching, coaching clients come to you and they choose what you have. It's another one thing when people don't ask you to give what you have, right? Because that's another way that as coaches, we can project what we think people need onto them when in fact, they didn't actually ask for that. It's the same thing. If you have a coaching client and you're coaching them in one area, but they didn't you start coaching into another area that they didn't ask for coaching in. So if somebody wants business coaching and you start coaching them on a weight loss journey, they didn't sign up for a weight loss coaching package. So you have to have permission. You need to ask them, would you like coaching in that area? In addition to the business coaching we do, because you've mentioned it several times. No. Okay, great. Let's stick to the business. What do you want? Let's, what do you want to focus on today? Or they say, you know, that'd be awesome. I didn't realize that you could do coaching for me with weight loss. And you go, well, actually the tools that I have work for everybody in any situation, and I can really help you, you know, learn how to become disciplined and manage your thought life and, um, align with the truth in area of your area, every area of your life. (laughs) See, this is the fun part when you have your own podcast podcast. You can do things like that and you just go (laughs) and you make accidents and I could stop and edit it all out. I could get rid of it, but honestly, I don't see where the fun is in that, and just take more time. So instead I make fun of myself and that is being part of the process. This, I'm not looking for perfection the first round, and I'm not even looking for perfection in everything that I do. I'm looking for the process. I believe that God is with us in the process. And then we use these things that we learn that we're right about and we're wrong about and all of the emotions we experience and what we believe about ourselves and what we're thinking on. We use all of that to help, help us just evolve and grow as people as we're on this journey into sanctification with Holy Spirit, with that grace and mercy and letting God love us and lead us well. As He goes with us, right? So I encourage you to let yourself be wrong. I encourage you to to, um, assess what it feels like to be wrong and then what kind of actions are you taking when you find out you are wrong or you think you might be wrong. What you think and feel about that is going to dictate what you do. And if you're throwing up walls or you're throwing bricks, then you're struggling and you're going to break things and you might break people. So you don't want to do this, right? Manage yourself well, lead yourself well, let your spirit rise up and lead your soul and ask God to show you how I know he's going to. So bless you, friends. I uh, will talk to you in the next episode. I hope that you love this episode and you feel challenged, inspired, and encouraged. If you're a coach or you want to be one, jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group so we can connect over there. And to work with me, Grab the links in the show notes to get quick clarity about your calling as a coach and entrepreneur, as well as how to get trained as a coach with Sterling and Stone and start your own business. Bless you, friend.